into A to Z Sports Prime Time on a Tuesday. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford, the best in the business since 1983. Quality American-made Ford vehicles and award-winning customer service can be found at the dealership in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Of course, the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage, GaryAshton.com, not only presents the Titans Tuesday questions on the A to Z Sports Instagram each and every week, they are the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators and of A to Z Sports Primetime. Get your dream address without the stress at GaryAshton.com. So, uh, Vrabel and Robinson speaking to the media today. There was a lot to be learned. Now, obviously, there were some news items that we needed to check off the list, basically, to go down and to talk about uh, to talk about Derrick Henry, to talk about Jeffrey Simmons and his contract situation, Traylon Burks and his physical conditioning. Uh, a, a lot of different things were asked of the head coach and general manager today. But a couple of things stood out to me that I think are particularly important for training camp. And that is what Mike Vrabel had to say about how he goes about teaching and how they handle this time of year that kind of shapes the philosophical approach that they'll use to build off of once the season is officially underway. So I want to start with your Two Rivers Ford take, if you would like to, if you would like to participate in the comment section, let us know how you feel, uh, or rather what you feel, Mike Vrabel's best asset as a coach is. What do you like best about the job that Mike Vrabel does in his position as the Titans head coach. He's been there since 2018. We are heading into season number five of Mike Vrabel. Uh, They have all been fairly interesting and, you know, for the most part, very successful. Uh, What's his best asset, though, as a coach? That's the question Um, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Because... When we get to this time of year, I think people get caught up in, I think people get caught up in a lot of different things. I think that preseason rankings or power uh, power rankings that you see on any given platform, hell, I'm sure A to Z does power rankings. I don't personally write them. I don't, I don't, I would lose my mind if uh, I was the person who was tasked with the power ranking stuff. But I think it's easy to get caught up in things like, okay, where do the Titans rank preseason? before, you know, compared to the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Bills and all these other teams that are in the AFC and, you know, will be their primary competition. So to look at the Titans and their roster, we've talked about this before. In fact, we've looked around the league and discussed the idea, okay, they're probably not a top five most talented football team in the AFC, which is not, I don't think it's any kind of a hot take. I think as as we've talked about it before, If you're being realistic, you look at the Titans from a talent standpoint, talent standpoint, and say, yeah, they're not the most talented football team. But how they go about working to their working their players' skill sets to their advantage is a different matter entirely. And it gives them a competitive advantage, which does not mean that they have to be the most talented team. They just have to be talented in what they are asked to do in execution, in discipline, in these kind of things that seem like, you know, you would take them for granted, but can't necessarily be taken for granted 
with any given football team. Every every NFL team has flaws and and deficiencies, right? Nobody is perfect, even as Tom Brady has tried several times now in Tampa Bay to build a super team. By the way, Julio Jones, newest member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, going to be uh, back in Nashville for joint training camp practices in mid-August. So for those of you who are going to have the opportunity to attend those practices, it's going to be pretty fun. But in looking at what Vrabel brings to the table, what do you believe his best asset is? It's your Two Rivers Ford take. Uh, We'll read some of them, and then you'll hear from Mike Vrabel here in just a second. Right after I tell you about the people who make the Two Rivers Ford take possible, that is, of course, Two Rivers Ford. They will make the car buying process easy for you. That's what they promise. Not only do they promise that, they promise you exceptional customer service. They promise that you will feel zero pressure throughout the car buying experience because their sales staff does not work on commission. And they promise that they will get you the vehicle that best fits your family's budget and your needs. Two Rivers Ford for new or pre-owned vehicles and any different way that you may want to shop. They're the best in the business. They've been doing it for nearly 40 years with one of the state's largest selections of quality American-made Ford vehicles. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So, Mike Vrabel, in in asking about, I believe it was uh, Paul Kaharski today that asked the question of Mike Vrabel, because Mike had said at the end of season press conference on locker room cleanout, they basically they needed to be they needed to find ways to be great around Ryan Tannehill. And so Paul's question, and I'm paraphrasing here, was basically. Have you have you found ways to be great around Ryan Tannehill? Have you do you feel that the roster is better uh, or more talented? And Mike's response was pretty interesting. Um, in fact, I wrote about it today. You talked about being great around Ryan, and and you clarified kind of what you meant about that at, at the combine. But with with AJ gone and the personnel shifts that you have, do you feel like the personnel around Ryan is better? Well, I don't want to rely on on talent. I don't want to be a coach that relies on talent. I want to be, um, I want to coach fundamentals, uh, technique. I want to teach. I want to make sure that they play with great effort. And and I know that we're talented. So, um, my my job is to not try to rely on talent. I, I want to try to coach. Um, you know, there there's a certain way that we want to play the game, and uh, when we do. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a good football team. And when we turn it over um, and we, we don't protect the guy with the football, uh, whether that's a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, um, you know, we're not very good. You know, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't operate like that. So that's Mike Vrabel talking about, you know, it's not necessarily about leaning on talent. Um, it's about finding the best ways to implement, to strategize, to basically, you know, do the fundamental things. It's not a football is not. And I've had a couple of different people explain this to me. I think most recently, Greg Cosell football is not complicated. It's just incredibly detailed. And so Mike, for his part and for the staff's part, it's not just like, yeah, I to go out there for Sundays and be like, well, I hope our players are more talented than theirs are. That's not the approach. That's not the best approach. That's not the smart approach. And it's what Mike Vrabel kind of prides himself on. He enjoys teaching the fundamentals of football. Now, Derek correctly says it's absolutely easier to do with talent, though. And and here's the thing, though, Derek, would you call them a would you call them a team lacking in talent? 
Because, yeah, I mean, I would look at the wide receivers and be like, okay, it's not the most talented group in the league. I would look at the offensive line group and say, okay, there's, it's probably not the most talented group in the league, but I mean, they're not a, they're not a team that lacks talent. I would say overwhelmingly their defense has the most potential and has shown the most of almost any unit in the sport. They are an incredibly talented defense. I would say that Derrick Henry is somebody who possesses above average to borderline supernatural talent. So it's it's not that they are lacking talent, but it's the way that the Titans go about maximizing a team that may not be so front heavy, like the Ram, what the Rams do, or what now you see the Bucks do, where they're just picking up famous names and Titans fans are looking around and being like, oh, you could have had X, you could have had Kyle Rudolph for however little money. And why are the Bucks adding all of these different players who have been pro bowlers? Throughout the course of their career, career Julio Jones today um, was the, a kind of you know swing and a miss that the Titans took last year, and the Bucks are going to try and get some more mileage out of them. I think it's all. I think it's all. What it comes down to is, you know, can he get them to operate within the structure of their system, and can he get them to execute cleanly within the structure of their system? If you do that, then you will put yourself in a position to take advantage of a game-changing play, right? The problem that the Titans had most recently was that they would do the things to put themselves in the position, but they would not but they would not have the ability to capitalize on a game-changing play if one came about because they are not overwhelmingly, they are not a more talented football team in 2021 or in 2022 than they were in 2021. But the point is, can you get a maybe lesser talented offense, for example, to function more cleanly as a unit? One, of course, with health, and two, with just more consistently available players. Because that's, that's I think, the thing that dogged them more than anything last year. So what's his best asset as a coach? Chris Frazier, uh, or rather, uh, let's see... Um, Need to stay healthy, says Bryce Erickson. Yeah, but I mean, every team needs to stay healthy, right? Like that's that's the most obvious thing. Uh, for for I'm sorry, I'm going back and scrolling through the through the comments here. Um, we need to start Malik. I see greatness in him. Well, that's of course ridiculous because Malik Willis is currently a third string quarterback behind Logan Woodside. So Godspeed to you if you decide. Uh, if if I I would say for the sake of the football team, I'm glad that you are not making the decision on the starting quarterback. Uh, for Stephen King, he says, knowing our dog's mindset, he's been there and he knows how to push them. John Bertotti on YouTube says, Vrabel has the ability to bring out the best in his players. Uh, Stephen, or rather, uh, let's see. We were, we were, we were talented as, I don't know what last season, but where did it get us? Yeah, but there's a bunch of different reasons why last year kind of went off the rails. The way that it did, Keith Keith Dove Jr. says, we let Julio get healthy, then cut him, which allowed Brady to pick him up. Well, I mean, yeah, but Julio can't sus physically sustain. I actually had a buddy of mine who covers the Bucks, John Ledyard at Pewter Report, text me today. And he goes, yeah, what's the deal on Julio? And I'll read you the exact text that I sent Ledyard. Um, I said, you'll see him, you'll see him in practice. He, his stop start, his plants, his cuts. He'll look like Pete Julio when he's doing it, 
but his body physically cannot sustain that kind of sudden movement that it at 33, which is how old he was here, than it could at 27, right? Julio Jones is a huge, still hugely explosive. But the difference is he's working with 34-year-old hamstrings now as opposed to 26-year-old hamstrings. And the way that Julio moves, it does not lend itself to aging well within that sport. It's it's kind of like, I think the best comparison, and, and maybe you guys will, maybe you guys will see where I'm going with this. Maybe you won't. But I think what I'm watching with Julio is what I'm watching with Russell Westbrook, for example. Like Russell Westbrook is still overwhelmingly athletic, but his body and his skill set is not at the place where it needs to be for him to be able to play the style of basketball that Russell Wilson needs to play. It's it's what happens to every to every pro at a certain point. For Julio, it seems to be in his thir- his mid thirties or his early thirties, rather. For Russell Westbrook, it's about the same, right? Still incredibly explosive made their made their I mean were famous for being so much overwhelmingly more athletic than other players at the position but I think for I think for Westbrook or Julio or any athlete that you see age that way you kind of uh you kind of look at you kind of look at a situation where you're saying yeah he can he can look the part still but how long can he hold up and that's the that's the place where the Julio thing started to fail um for yeah, Mark Jones says, you know, Vrabel would love to strap on a helmet and go to battle with guys on Sunday. He's a fire coach. No, I think Vrabel's very happy not to play anymore. He's got Mike's got all kinds of back issues at this point in his life. <laughs> I think he's I think he's very happy. Uh, I think he's very happy to be able to just go out there play golf and then coach him up on Sundays. I think that's Mike Vrabel's preferred uh, way to go about it. Um, speaking of Westbrook, says Neil Patel, Nick Westbrook Akina is not a wide receiver too. That's what pisses me off. Well, I mean, how do you know? I mean, he's your wide receiver too until further notice. So you can say that he's not wide receiver too, but he is yours. Like, I think that's just, you know, you're you're in denial at this point until Burks or Phillips or <clears throat> whomever else it might be shows themselves to be a superior, you know, to be able to execute. Again, it's not necessarily about the talent level with Westbrook Akina. It's how much can he do? How much can he play? How much can we keep him on the field? And allow guys to operate in different packages because Nick just knows the offense and Nick's been here for a while and he's good enough, right? He may not be overwhelmingly talented, but how much better can you make Nick Westbrook Akina just by simple knowledge, institutional knowledge? At some point, there's going to be a talent disparity, but football's not like basketball. Football's not like, uh, what's, what's another team sport that, relies more on individual talent. I mean, it's really it's really not even like baseball. Football is unlike any other team sport because there's so many different parts and pieces moving around at any given point and they all rely so specifically on each other. So when you look at this situation from a realistic standpoint, you can say yes, AJ Brown may be the most talented wide receiver in football. I don't know that that's true, but let's just let's just say that you're somebody who thinks that way. And you would say, well, the, your football team got worse by letting A.J. Brown go. And you're probably right. But individual efforts don't win the football game overwhelmingly. They can put you over the top. They can put you in position to capitalize, but you have to have the fundamentals, which is what Mike Vrabel's speaking to there, and the institutional knowledge to be able to put yourself in a position 
to capitalize on those individual moments because they come around so frequently in football. Uh, Brad Hoheimer said, did Buster, Buster Screen retire because he saw the depth at corner, figured he wouldn't get playing time? No, Buster Screen retired because he's 33 years old. It's hot as shit outside, and he doesn't want to go through another training camp. Like, I don't blame Buster. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how many of you guys follow Will Compton on, on Twitter, but like Will's whole thing and, and any vet, if you would ask them, would you rather, you know, be on a team from the start of the year, from the start of training camp or, or go out there, you know, come week two, once bodies start to drop and you can fill in, slide in and be ready to go with a football team that's ready to go. That's exactly what every veteran, regardless of what their status is, would want to do in a perfect situation because training camp sucks especially if you've been through a bunch of them. Um, Buster wasn't going to start anyway. Like he, And by the way, he probably had one of the better career or better seasons of his career last year as a role player. That's not, that's not, a, uh, that's not a small loss, um, Buster Screen. I think that he could bring them valuable depth and just basically institutional knowledge with a secondary that's really still so, so young. Um, but for Mike Vrabel's part, he understands what he's going to be able to get out of his team. And I think that's the thing that you kind of land on when it comes to Mike Vrabel's self-awareness, I think, is one of the better assets that he has as a head coach. Uh, we, uh, we'll, we uh, let's see, Kenston Farmer says, hey, Buck, I think Willis has a legit shot at QB2. If he really was a first-round talent, he should at least make it a competition with Woodside. Well, he wasn't a first-round talent. I, what am I missing there? Malik Willis wasn't a first-round talent. Malik Willis was a third-round talent. He fell, uh, he went like 86th overall. The only first-round talent, according to the league, at quarterback this year was Kenny Pickett. Desmond Ritter won a first-round talent. Matt Corral won a first-round talent. Malik Willis won a first-round talent. So I don't know how you could sit there and tell me that he's a first-round talent when every NFL team passed on him at least three times. So I don't know what the, and you know, I'm not, dis, I'm not disputing that he can be quarterback two at some point. That's the whole point, right? For him to become quarterback two. And if it's successful for him to be able to take over at a co- as a cost effective option in whatever a post Ryan Tannehill world looks like, whether it's next season or a season beyond, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm misunderstanding. Maybe I'm misunderstanding your point there, but what you, what you say there is inherently incorrect. If you're telling me he was a first round talent when the league told you literally just told you not what three months ago, two months ago, that he's not a first round talent, that he's a third round talent. And there's very obvious reasons for that. That's all well and good. Um, Buck, bro, uh, come on, bro. That's semantics. AJ Brown was a first round talent that went in the second round. No, it's, it's really not semantics. Um, you're talking about two completely different situations. I think, I think you're misunderstanding how much work that quarterback specifically, that quarterback specifically has to do. Um, it's not some, it's, it's, it's quite literally in the details. It's about operation. It's about things that Logan Woodside has had to know how to do since he was a starting quarterback in the AAF. It's about calling plays. It's about working under center. Malik Willis has not taken snaps under center, which I think everybody in here would consider a, uh, would take for granted as a part of a quarterback's uh, depth of knowledge and ability. But of course that's not the case, especially when you look at the, how many different how many different ways offenses run in college football. This dude has to learn how to do all of the operations that come to set up a play within a 40 second play clock, calling plays, knowing plays, and then there's all the mechanical stuff. 
So at some point, yeah, sure, he could be quarterback too. Uh, that's I'm not. That's not. That's not any great reach, but in the immediate, um, they're going to keep three quarterbacks because he's not ready. As we sit here today, now could he be ready by September 11th? Maybe, but it's July 26th, and he's not. I mean, he's just not. He's not. I I, I think that he is a hugely talented player. Uh, I think that he has a lot of potential. I think he's in about as good a position. And we've talked about this before. I think he's a, in as good a position as humanly possible of any of these quarterbacks that landed anywhere. I really do. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think that when you when you when you really drill down, if you, I mean, if you've been paying attention, and not, listen, I'm not everybody pays attention to all the clips that we post on social media or all the press conference things that we put out or everything that I write uh, at a to z sports.com. Um, but I remember very specifically writing a quote from Pat O'Hara about, yeah, the operations, basically the operations of running a huddle. That's something he doesn't know how to do. That's something we literally have to teach him every step of the way. And he's done well with it by every account. He seems, he seems comfortable. He seems very, he seems comfortable and he seems confident, which is all that you can ask of him right now. And as that confidence grows and as those skills develop, well, then you put him in a position to succeed, and then you have more trust in him. You trust in his ability. You trust in his knowledge. And then he can take over quarterback two, or if things go well, he can eventually become a starting quarterback. But there's a re- – I mean, think about think about just, for example, and then we'll move on. Think about just, for example, the 2018 uh, NFL draft, the first round of the 2018 NFL draft. Baker Mayfield, number one overall. Sam Darnold, third overall pick. I believe you had Josh Allen at 10. Then I think it went Josh Rosen later on in the draft to the Arizona Cardinals. And then in thir- at 32, it was Lamar Jackson, who the Ravens picked a player. I think they picked, it wasn't even Mark Andrews, the tight end. It was, it was another tight end, Hayden Hurst, who did not, I mean, who's been fine as a pro, but uh, ultimately, um, Ultimately, they uh, ultimately they they anyway they drafted the tight end first, and then Baltimore traded back into the first round to pick up Lamar. Only two of those dudes, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, are still on their original team, and that's first round picks. So think about how hard it is for a quarterback, just a quarterback in general, to hit in the NFL to be considered a franchise player. Five guys in the first round in 2018. Hell, five guys in the first round in 2021, and it's. Pretty, it's reasonable to imagine that probably, yeah, two out of the five guys, even last year, are going to have a hit rate, have substantial and what would be considered successful NFL careers. It's a really, really hard job. It's really, really hard. And so, how Malik handles the the time that the basically the grace period that he's got is all going to be important to his ability to step it up. Uh, Kenston adds, and then I'll, I'll that'll be uh, that'll be the last thought on this. When he was fighting for his job last preseason with Matt Barkley, um, yeah, and he beat Matt Barkley, and he beat Deshaun Kaiser, and he beat Trevor Simeon, and he beat Cole McDonald, and he beat Luke Falk. Like I, this, the job of the backup quarterback is for them to continue to, to try and find people to replace you, and if you're better at than the rest of them, then you win. Like there's a whole graveyard of terrible backup, shitty backup quarterbacks that Logan Woodside has beaten out, Matt Barkley included. And by the way, Matt Barkley still got a job in the league. I think he would. I think he went back to the Bills last year. So it's not like Matt Barkley is is like just straight dog dog water, right? 
Logan Woodside has consistently proven that he is more capable of handing, handling the responsibilities of the backup quarterback than several other players at that position. Deshaun Kaiser is a more physically talented. Deshaun Kaiser was a second round pick. Think about that. Second round pick, Deshaun Kaiser. I know he went to the Cleveland Browns and it was a shit show, but still, Deshaun Kaiser was a second round pick. Hugely talented, has incredible arm strength. I played in a celebrity softball game. He almost took my head off uh, with a, uh, <laughs> with just a, I mean, just a rocket that he threw. He was trying to whip into me at second base. It was a terrible idea. I really shouldn't have been playing second base to begin with whatsoever. But like players with all the talent in the world don't necessarily, it's the same thing we talked about with Mike Vrabel earlier. Like talent doesn't mean that you're going to be the best possible player. It just means that you're going to have more tools at your disposal to be able to succeed. Um, but like I said, that doesn't rule out. It's not doesn't rule out Malik Willis by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Dion summarizes it well. Bottom line, growing process from the fundamental level that he has to go through. Fans and critics alike need to be patient. Let him do it. Stop rushing the process because their asses are itching with excitement to see him. This is a pro football quarterback, not microwave popcorn. Here, boom. Give him. A, I, we don't. We don't have any prizes to give out. Reed, I don't know if you can put a star next to his name. I don't know what the hell you can do for Dion Bonner, but that's that's. You did it better in a comment than I did in 27 minutes of a show so far. Bravo, Dion. All right, let's move on. Uh, in the comments on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch, let's talk about uh, the biggest need on the roster before training camp begins tomorrow. Where do you think the most clear and obvious hole on the Titans roster lies? Give me your response in the comment section, wherever it is that you are consuming us, and we will get into it together right after I tell you about our friends at the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. The Intel Edge is what the Ashton team can provide to you. It's what they've done for John Robinson. They helped John Robinson find his dream address without the stress with the Intel Edge that only the Ashton team has got. They helped Preds head coach John Hines do the same. They helped me do it, just as they have helped thousands hundreds of thousands of people, probably millions at this point in Middle Tennessee, find their home in a highly competitive Nashville real estate market. The Intel Edge can only be found with the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage at GaryAshton.com. So, where's the biggest hole on the roster as we sit here today? Practice starts tomorrow at this point. Starting caliber left guard, says Joe on YouTube. Yeah, offensive line still very much in question. Keelan agrees. Omar says right tackle. I think it's going to be Dylan Radens. Um, or at least Dylan Radens is in the uh, is in the driver's seat to win that job right now. We'll see how camp goes. Uh, Amy Vining says guard. Go sign Eric Flowers. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Nobody else is though. So I don't know what he's asking for. It's like Will Fuller. Like, I saw Muhammad Sanu, who has to be 110 years old. Muhammad Sanu got a job today before Will Fuller. So, like, there's something that I'm missing or something that I'm not, some kind of information that I'm not hearing or or I haven't seen reported yet because I haven't seen any information on Will Fuller or Eric Flowers, for that matter. Nobody within any kind of substantive information that would tell me why they're still available on the market. Um I, I don't want to assume that their price is too high because I don't know specifically what they're asking for. but. I think it's telling that, you know, the guys that you guys keep signing also are not getting signed by other teams as well. So just something to keep in mind. Um, offensive line had an awful, awful offensive line the last two seasons, and Derrick Henry has 
3,000 yards in his last season and a half. It's true. It is true. But that doesn't mean that you can't give him a better opportunity to succeed um, with a better blocking unit in front of him. Uh, this was something that we talked about with John Robinson today. Basically, you know, how you're going about the 53-man roster and how critical a time training camp is to kind of determine, okay, who's going to be the most competitive at which spots. Back to what Mike said earlier about he, he doesn't want to rely on talent. And we've seen him coach guys up to, to play well beyond maybe what expectations were. Does that put more onus on you to maybe say, I, I know you can get this out of this guy, but we still need somebody better than that guy. I think that we're all, you know, Ryan and the personnel staff, we're, we're always trying to get, obviously, the, the most talented players uh, in here as, as possible. And we've got talented guys in here. Um, but we we tell the team, it's, it's and, and we'll say it again tonight, it's about the right 53 guys. At the end of the day, it's about the right 53 guys being on your team. And sometimes that may not be the most talented 53 guys because there's a lot that goes into a football team. It's the makeup of the person. It's, you know, how hard does he work? How healthy is he? Um, what is his skill level like? Um, yeah, there, All of that weighs into, you know, the overall profile of the player and how they fit in with our football team. So that's John Robinson talking about talent evaluation. And I, I mean, I think that the offensive line depth is probably still my biggest concern. I think the wide receivers are important, but not, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, it's like Joe Burrow. Like, Joe Burrow is good enough to get the ball to the wide receiver, even if he's getting his shit rocked because his offensive line is trash. Ryan Tannehill is not Joe Burrow at this stage in his career. Ryan Tannehill needs better protection. So I can worry about the wide receivers after I worry about who's going to keep the quarterback upright. And that, I think, is my biggest concern at this point. Uh, Keon Maxwell says Racy McMath might have to step up. He's got size and speed. Yeah, but like that's, that's all I've heard in my lifetime about Racy McMath since he's been at LSU. And I know that there were some injuries that kind of, you know, might've derailed him at LSU, but you know, it was always about physical size, potential, right? Great athlete, so fast, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, he's the only LSU receiver that's come out lately who hasn't, been a that's not a fair assessment I don't know that he's the only LSU receiver that hasn't panned out but LSU has a lot of talented receivers and Racy McMath did not statistically produce in college so I mean maybe I think he he was drafted because of special teams if they get anything if he if he develops the way Nick Westbrook Akina does then I think you're cooking that took some time I mean I think NWI is coming up on I think we're getting ready to this is going to be his fourth season if memory serves so if it takes racing mcmath kind of three or four years to get up to speed then i think that's a win for you if if racy turns into a more athletic and physically gifted nwi then that's a successful situation but i don't think the tools are there that yet i mean nwi was undrafted he was horrendous catching the football in his first training camp and now he's the uh, he's one of the primary options um for the uh, for the wide receiving court. Now, some of that's out of necessity. I don't think that's necessarily the way that it was planned uh, prior to AJ's situation. But still, he has done well to develop uh, in ways that I think are exceptional for an undrafted player to succeed at that rate. Um, okay, 
Let's wrap things up with a gone viral video. The question that I want to ask you is this, because it's my job to watch and to listen and to attend and to ask questions at press conferences for your football team, for the Titans. What I would do in my, if I did this, you know, if I was not paid to do this, I would never watch another press conference as long as I live because there are so few of them. I have been in many, 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 many boring press conferences over the course of my professional lifetime. It's a great job. Love it to death. Complaining about things like that are silly, but also they can be mind-numbingly dull. So as a fan, I want to know from you, do you listen to press conferences for your favorite teams? Do you listen to your coaches' press conferences on Mondays after every game? Do you do you listen to a Wednesday press conference for Mike Vrabel in the middle of a work week? Do you listen to the quarterback's press conference every time he speaks, even though there's so many few times where he actually says anything of consequences? How often do you listen to press conferences for your favorite sports teams? Let me know in the comment section. It's the subject of our Gone Viral video this week. Uh, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch, because I saw I saw a video today from a friend of mine. His name's Joey Molinero. Joey uh, is incredible in impressions. He's somebody. By the way, Joey has made an incredible career for himself. So congratulations to him. He no, he's no longer at Barstool. He's doing his own thing, but he's still succeeding um, and getting the kind of traction that I think he was even when he was at Barstool. So now with uh, with Joey, Joey put up a, a, a an impression today of every training camp press conference ever. And when I tell you that I was triggered by how spot on this video was and how much time I've wasted listening to this exact press conference from Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill and John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, uh, it's enough to make your ears bleed. Yeah, you know, it's just good to be back, you know, back with the guys. And, uh, you know, I don't like to look ahead too much. You know, just kind of take it a one day at a time, one practice at a time. Journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, and that step starts here today. Feel good, honestly. I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah, we got a great group of guys. I uh, love the guys in this locker room. I think we have a chance to do something really special. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal should be to be the best offense in the league. But the guys we have in this locker room, uh, you know, and that's uh, the ball, the playmakers we have you know, come together, focus and do our jobs. <laughs> didn't, didn't have too much time to, to watch any, any of that. No, I was, uh, you know, focused on, on watching film and, and preparing for this year, uh, you know, when I wasn't changing diapers. So yeah, you know, coach, coach is great. We had a lot of good conversations. Um, been talking all off season, just kind of aligning goals and, and getting on the same page and uh, excited to work with them. Those guys over there. I mean, I hate going against them every day. So it's, uh, glad they're on my side come game day. Yeah, you know, it's just good to see all the fans back out here. Um, you know, we love them. And I know they're excited to be out here, and, and we're excited to see them again out here as well. Yeah, you know, it's just good getting out there during the summer with the guys on the course and being able to compete, you know, keep those competitive juices flowing. And I'm definitely the best golfer on the team. He may outdrive me, but uh, his short game. We're just taking it one snap at a time. Yeah, we're just taking it one practice at a time, right? Starts today. Yeah, I mean, coach always tells us, you know, just one snap, one play at a time. And a lot of the young guys, you know, maybe easy to look ahead, but you know, they'll figure out we're just, you know, one snap, one play, uh, you know, one series at a time. Last one. Just really excited about this group. Really excited about what we have here in this locker room and um, just looking forward to taking it one play at a time this year. All right. Good to see you guys again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally every interaction of my life with a player in the last seven years. 
It's crazy, especially especially the last one from the background from the PR guy off camera. That that's the that's the best part. That's the best and most accurate part. So I mean, I I know a lot of you guys like consume that stuff. You know, because why wouldn't you? This is one of your favorite things, if not your favorite thing. You love your football team or whichever sports, you know, whether it's basketball, baseball, whatever. Uh, you you may consume this stuff at a much more frequent rate than somebody like me, who's it's my job to, and it's you know cool and whatever. But also like, oh my god, I know <laughs> that that to to hear that press conference repeated repeated so perfectly to a T by Joey when that's basically what I'm going to deal with with Ryan Tannehill for the next six months. Uh, it it doesn't uh it doesn't make me necessarily excited for six more months of. Or another six months of press conference, I guess eight months of press conferences, depending on how long the season goes. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this one every time, but uh, he says, I love when Paul Kaharski gets abused by Vrabel. See, Vrabel press conferences, I understand why you guys watch. Because it's not just Paul. It's any one of us. Like, I, at, at, anybody can get the smoke at any point in the press conference. And the mood can, you know, it, it can be shitty. It can be funny. It can be... Vicious, it can be all of it. Like Mike is Mike is a wild card. So, and most head coaches are not like that at the podium. So uh, today, I thought he was. I, I thought he was very well behaved. I thought he gave very informative answers. I was appreciative of the whole interaction, and you know, we we even asked him about injuries, and he handled it pretty diplomatically. And it will not sound like that for the rest of the football season. Just just day one of school, first day of school today, and then the rest of it, it's going to be a slog. Can't wait. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us tonight here on A to Z Sports Primetime. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this. John Robinson is on the radio show tomorrow. I'm doing the radio show live from training camp basically for the next two months. Um, we're going to have great interviews out there every day uh, that we're broadcasting live. So John Robinson is going to be on the radio show tomorrow at 1130. Uh, he was not asked about Julio Jones today because that happened after his press conference. So we're certainly going to talk about Julio and all the different things that John looks for at this time of year. So make sure that you're checking out the radio show on 104.5 The Zone from 10 to 1. Uh, it also live streams on YouTube, and we're going to have the full camera. We're going to have a three-shot setup out there at training camp. So you can watch the whole thing on 104.5 The Zone's YouTube page as well. Uh, I'll just tell you that I don't have dates specifically for everybody, all of the Titans players and people who are going to be on the show, but this is the list that uh, I'm working through or that I'm that we're working on. So Vrabel, Robinson, Randy Bullock, Traylon Burks, Kevin Byard, Bud Dupree, Caleb Farley, Des Fitzpatrick, Christian Fulton, Derek Henry, Amani Hooker, Austin Hooper, Ben Jones, Brett Kern, Harold Landry, Taylor Lewan, Kyle Phillips, Dylan Radens, Jeff Simmons, Ryan Tannehill, Rashad Weaver, Malik Willis, and Robert Woods. All of those guys in some form or fashion we're going to work through that list, and we're excited. We're appreciative of the Titans PR who makes that happen every year. Um, and we'll have a great time doing it. So make sure that you're checking out the radio show. And if you don't catch it live, there's a podcast for that as well. Have a great rest of your night. I will talk to you live from training camp in the morning, 10 a.m. Things get started on 104.5 The Zone.